Hey, it's Mike. I have a cold. Happy New Year. Tonight, January 6th, my first YouTube special, Live from the Glendale Room, goes live at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll be watching live if you want to join me for free. YouTube.com slash Mike Bridenstine, spelled like the name on your screen right now. Please watch. Please share it. Okay. Uh, my parents were more excited for me to talk to today's guest than they've been about probably any episode I've ever done. So let's get into the show. You're listening to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. Mike knows like so, like the biggest names in comedy. Dude, you got to see this guy's fucking show list. He like has like the biggest names on uh, in comedy on his on his show. It's kind of unreal, Mike, how you do that. The best po- panel pod on the internet. And this is what the show's about, Nick. That we have our finger on the pulse of America's uh, trends. What are the topics, Mike? What are the topics? This whole day can suck a thousand fucking dicks. Yeah, boy. Welcome to Hunk with Mike Bridenstine. From Muscatine to the Silver Screen. Wait, it's a podcast? From Muscatine, Iowa to your AirPods? Here's Mike. I'm Mike Bridenstine. Shout out Rick Gonzalez. Shout out Bad Planet. Shout out to my unpaid announcer, Tony Tone Lokensoul. Hi, everybody. Another deeper dive today. Art Cullen is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and the editor of the Storm Lake Times. It's a family run newspaper in small town Iowa. There's a great documentary called Storm Lake from 2021 about the Cullens and the paper that I highly recommend. He's kind of become the go-to expert on the Iowa caucuses, and a recent op-ed he had about the caucuses in the New York Times prompted me to finally reach out and ask him to be on the show. This guy is a hero to many Iowans. I know that some of you have already told me that he's a hero of yours, and I hope that you enjoy it. This was also an interview conducted at 7 a.m. Los Angeles time. So it's also an example of me talking to a person who's already exponentially smarter than me, but also while I'm awake before I want to be. This was great. Honestly, my parents do love him. I hope you do too. So without further ado, here's the great Art Cullen. I'll turn my video on here briefly just so you can see my ugly face. (laughs) It's a famous face. I know what that face looks like. I guess the first question I was going to ask you is just how's the paper doing? Well, we're doing okay. Uh, we uh, consolidated the Storm Lake Times and the Storm Lake Pilot Tribune in April. And uh, as a result, we're profitable for the first time in years. Wow. Yeah, I saw the yeah. name change, and I, and I assume that's what happened. Yeah, so we combined it into the t- Storm Lake Times Pilot. And uh, we bought uh, the Pilot Tribune from a corporate chain in Missouri. Okay. And uh, we each we were killing each other, and uh, and now we've been able to uh, to get back onto a, a more stable footing. Okay. Um, what made you want to be in this profession when you were when you were? coming up is there is there anything that sparked it or was it your brother like how did you what made you want to do this well uh i went to school at the college of saint thomas in saint paul minnesota and i was going to be a music major but i couldn't really sing that well and i couldn't play the piano and then i was going to be a theater major and i realized you had to read shakespeare and so then uh, I was going to, I majored in business and never went to accounting, the accounting class. So I flunked accounting. And so I got stoned one night in my dorm room and looked for the easiest major available in the college catalog. And the only requirement for journalism was that you were able to type 25 words a minute and I could do about 26. And so I, uh, signed up for journalism, and it just happened to be at the height of the of the uh, post Watergate era. Okay, so I went to college in 1975, uh, which is what you know, right after Watergate, and uh, so Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward were heroes. 
They made like a generation of journalists, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they did. In fact, there was a lot of over my entire career has been marked by layoffs in journalism since uh, because there was too many of us <laughs> at that time. Uh, as it, it was an all men's school, 2000, all 1800 men. And business, of course, was the largest major. Second was journalism. Wow. So everybody saw like all the president's men or lived through like the Washington right. and were like, I want to be Robert Redford. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, yeah, we were the, the second we were probably the largest journalism class that year, probably in the school's history, I'm guessing. Did you uh, want to write? Was there anybody else that you wanted to write like or like where did you learn if you could you you typed well? How did you learn how to write? Did you have anybody in mind or like do you know where that came from? Well, yeah, my mom, uh, it came from my parents and were 100 percent Irish and uh, it kind of goes with the territory. And so <laughs> at the earliest age, you know, you'd get corrected Uh on grammar by mom and she was an english major in college who because of the era uh you know was a housewife because she couldn't get a job with an english major and uh and so she corrected her children's speech so uh all of us all of us six cullen kids were involved in journalism in one way or another uh my sister works at the omaha worked at the omaha business journal and my brother Tom was a speechwriter for uh, Maynard Jackson in Atlanta and uh, sort of the black political establishment. And uh, my brother Bill is an inveterate letter writer, letters to the editor. And my brothers John and Jim, I'm involved in business in the newspaper business with. Wow. What so is we're all a... involved in writing one way or another, and it's because of my parents. The Irish of Northwest Iowa, I have some people. <laughs> they do not like when sentences ends in, end in prepositions and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I got to say, you know, uh, that, you know, Mark Twain would probably be my my main literary influence. You try and copy a writing style, I probably tried to copy Mark Twain. You know, he... Unsuccessfully. His brother ran the Muscatine Journal, and I grew up uh, in yes. Muscatine, and I think he visited, said uh, said in Life in the Mississippi, he'd never seen more beautiful uh, suns, sunrises in his life. And the town is like, we, we should name everything after him in this town. So that's what they did. <laughs> so they liked him where I grew up as well. well. I think he lived there for about a year. Yeah, he said. And then he was also in Keokuk, which, and then he got kicked out of Keokuk and took off and wrote the book Roughing It. I love uh, The Innocence Abroad is maybe the best thing that I've ever read. Like, I am so jealous that he got to do that. And everything in it is like the funniest thing to me. Yeah, he was doing that stuff when he was about 28 years old. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, why are we even trying? <laughs> I like the the way that I like that he did it was that he would see something fantastic in Europe and be like, this is not as good as the one in America. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Lake Cuomo, no. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> what do you suppose the biggest misconception is about Iowans? Uh, right now, I think one of the biggest misperceptions about Iowans is that we're all racist hicks. Yeah. Uh, because the state went for Donald Trump twice. Right. And uh, has shown its, its racist underside recently. But we also voted for Barack Obama twice. Right. And uh, so I think it is a misperception going on right now. That, and it's kind of enhanced by the fact that the Democratic National Committee kicked out Iowa uh, with the Iowa caucuses and elevated South Carolina, saying that Iowa was too white. And uh, we are pretty white, uh, no doubt about it. But again... <laughs> You know, Jesse Jackson ran very well in Iowa and Barack Obama beat Hillary Clinton here. Yeah. So I think that's there's a there's a huge uh, misunderstanding and contempt that goes on between rural and urban America. Mm. And uh, and so people think that Joe Manchin is out to uh, do in. Uh, 
the liberal vision. And uh, likewise, uh, people in West Virginia uh, or Iowa, for that matter, don't think that the Democratic Party has any clue what's going on around here, uh, what, what's happened in Keokuk or Clinton or Muscatine over the last 40 years under Democratic and, and Republican administrations. Now, your area, your general area, I guess, is pretty red. Trump, I looked it up, Trump won by 26 points in Buena Vista County, um, the, I think in 2016. How are your op-eds received in Storm Lake? Well, Storm Lake is a little bubble of blue uh, in a very deep red northwest Iowa. And uh, there's a, a lot of very conservative evangelical Christians, uh, Missouri Synod Lutherans, and Roman Catholics who are, uh, who are driven by the abortion issue. And uh, so, but Storm Lake is a town of immigrants. 90% of our elementary school are children of color, mainly from Latin America. And uh, so uh, our, our editorials are pretty well received in Storm Lake because we advocate for immigrants and uh, that uh, Trump was, you know, very anti-immigrant. Right. And uh, but the rest of the county is very conservative. And uh, so a lot of people just write us off as being, uh, you know, left wing wackos uh, don't even bother to pay attention. Uh, just bypass the opinion page and, and go straight to the obituaries. <laughs> And they didn't. I I watched that uh, the Storm Lake documentary, and they didn't like that you won the the Pulitzer. Like they were not in not happy about it. Those yeah, types we of won the Pulitzer Prize in two thousand and seventeen for editorial writing on uh, surface water pollution in Iowa by the Agra Chemical Complex, and uh, of course Iowa is is deeply intertwined in the ag supply chain. And if you criticize any part of that ag supply chain, uh, it's heresy in Iowa. And so we have a God-given right to plow the prairie, first of all, to drive off all the Indians, and then to plow the prairie and pollute the Mississippi River to the point where we're now killing the Gulf of Mexico by suffocation from farm chemicals from Illinois and Iowa primarily. And that's what we won the Pulitzer for was uh, was editorial writing on that topic. And again, it, it directly challenged the Iowa orthodoxy that uh, nothing shall get in the way of my cultivator. Right. Now, when I was when I was growing up, Iowa was basically 50 50 Democrat Republicans. I looked up like Dukakis won Iowa by 10 points in 1988 Obama won by 10 points in 2008. Then eight years later, Trump won by 10. Did Iowa turn red gradually or all at once? Uh, Iowa's always been an inherently Republican state. Uh, uh, Senator Jonathan Dolliver said back in 1900 that Iowa will vote Democrat when hell goes, goes Methodist. And, uh, so it's always been predisposed to the Republican Party since the Civil War. And uh, but, of course, the parties have changed roles yeah. since that time. Steve King didn't, and, didn't, didn't get didn't get the memo. But yeah, what happened uh, to the Iowa Republican Party was that uh, uh, and what happened to Iowa generally is that there is a lot of resentment over loss here. Mm. And. The Democratic Party failed to address it. The Obama administration failed to address what's going on in these manufacturing centers in places like Muscatine right. or Davenport. And John Deere is now making its tractors in Mexico, not Waterloo. Right. Uh, and so uh, people are very resentful of that. And then Obama came up with the... Uh, uh, Bill Clinton gave us NAFTA, and then Obama came up with this Asian Free Trade Agreement, uh, and 
Iowa just said, whoa, wait a minute. You know, we're outsourcing our entire economy to China and Mexico. And there's nothing left in Keokuk. They're closing down the hospital in Keokuk now because it can't support a hospital. Right. This is a town of, uh, was a town of, at one time, about 15,000 people, Keokuk. Now they can't even support a hospital. So when you see that both parties are flying over you, and then this snake oil salesman comes in and says, let's drain the swamp. And they say, God damn right. Let's drain that swamp out there. Right. Let's take our jobs. And uh, and then Trump says, and Steve King before him, kind of like John the Baptist paving the way for the for the big guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve King says it's these Mexicans that are taking your jobs and with cantaloupe uh, calves or whatever he said. Yeah. And then Donald Trump comes in and says, yeah, it's it's the black guy that's your problem. It's the Mexican that's your problem. It's a Muslim that's your problem. It's not the fact that Reagan broke the unions back in 1980 that really started this long economic decline in the in the upper Midwest and Rust Belt, uh, stretching all the way to Appalachia. And so uh, uh, they said the hell with it. We'll just vote for this guy to drain the swamp. And uh, and he flipped the bird to the establishment, the elites. And we thought, oh, yeah, not we. Iowa thought, yeah, yeah he's with us. It probably didn't uh, hurt that he talked about trade Wood deals. Thing. He didn't. He talked a lot about trade deals, too, and I think that that didn't hurt him too much. Right. And so then he started a trade war with China, uh, uh, following up on his promise which, of course, China is Iowa's biggest export customer for soybeans and pork. And uh, so Trump then lavished $100 billion on agriculture in three years in subsidies to make up for the, the trade losses with China. So on the one hand, we don't like China. On the other hand, we depend on them for our soybean trade yeah. and to export our pork. And in the meantime, for the benefit of China, we uh, we are uh, essentially suffocating the Gulf of Mexico so we can ship half our pork to China. Man, um, in about 1986, uh, Xi Jinping, the dictator of China, came to Muscatine and to study like agriculture so there's a picture of my my good friend's grandfather holding the key to the city of muscatine and handing it over to a young uh xi jinping and i guess like chinese immigrants or not immigrants uh tourists come to like the home that he stayed in so he's a pretty big deal where and then they built a replica of that farm in china yeah yeah an exact replica it's wild no one believes me that this happened but it did happen he was yeah, and then, of course, Trump appointed our governor Terry Branstad, uh, who was supposedly friends with Xi Jinping, and and uh, uh, to be the ambassador to China in the midst of this trade war, and uh, and so a hundred billion dollars went to agribusiness, uh, you know, the big meat packers, the big grain companies. And then also, uh, you know, mega farmers in Iowa. See, the things that you said over the past, like, few minutes, you you stated probably the exact case of why an Iowan, you didn't agree with it, but why an Iowan might vote for somebody like Trump, what he said. And then after the, the 2016 election, the thing that offended me probably the most, I'm not an easily offended person, is when the news would send some somebody to kind of do what I was describing its cultural anthropology to Iowa to poke at these Iowans who were putting ranch on their pizza and ask them like, what the hell, like what's wrong with them. And that, and so this was like the most highly offensive thing to me. I don't know how you felt about it there. Or if you saw the sort of thing that I did. Well, I, we were sort of in the middle of it actually yeah. during the caucuses. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Where they say the main uh, fair in of food in Iowa is Casey's Pizza. Casey's is a is a convenience store chain in Iowa. Right. And they serve breakfast pizza. And uh, so uh, and then the media gives you this narrative of, uh, you know, pat them on the head while they eat their 
breakfast pizza. And let's find a guy in a red cap eating breakfast pizza and ask him why he's an idiot. <laughs> that And it helps if he's enormous. Like, that's what they would I, – I think that they would just try to find that guy in every town that they were in. And, of course, yeah, and that guy – it's not real difficult to go find a farmer in a MAGA cap when the, Trump just gave him $100 billion. Right. Donnie dollars, so they would call it in where my where my parents live, you know. Yeah, or the Trump bump. Yeah. Like, Donnie dollars or the Trump bump. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we're on the welfare gravy train. Uh, and uh, we were on the gravy train uh, with Democratic administrations pitching ethanol to them, too. And, and we're just, you know, we play both sides of the aisle. But it's, you know, Iowa went off the rails uh, following the 2008 financial crisis and it just never came back and people said you know let's send our best from muscatine out to la to be comedians <laughs> that's the number one problem i i think because that. there's no future in muscatine for for somebody who's creative right right um how's the what's the general response been about what you've written about the caucuses uh well we, i got a lot of blowback uh from, you know, the very people who set up the system uh, that we're living under, the, the same corporate donors to the Democratic Party right. and Republican Party who set up this where, you know, uh, corporations own all the hogs, uh, used to be farmers own the hogs, uh, and now everything is, is uh, owned, you know, we own nothing here. We're, uh, we have the key to the door. Uh, whether it's the bank or the farm or the factory, we're just a state of middle managers. Mm. And uh, uh, and they're the very people who are saying that I'm a racist hick. Right. Uh, and they have no idea that uh, I live, my neighbors are all from Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala on all three sides of me. And they're fantastic neighbors, and we get along great. We exchange food. We comfort each other in loss. And they have no clue what, uh, from 30,000 feet, what Storm Lake actually looks like. Right. And they don't really care and don't want to know. So you're eating... Because you're eating we are a racist cesspool. Yeah. You're eating pupusas in Storm Lake? Papooses, yeah. I mean, you know, we have the world's best Mexican food outside of Mexico, and uh, we have African groceries and uh, uh, Laotian grocery stores, and uh, you know, but people just assume that because I'm a 65 year old white male um, that I don't get it, right? Yeah, you um, Columbus Junction is where my parents live, and there's a Tyson factory right sure. right there as well. So I think that they are kind of g- going through the same. I think that uh, they would see eye to eye with you on a lot of this. My dad's who sent me the article. The line that that stuck me was you wrote that Republican or Democrat, the outcome was pretty much the same. At least the Republicans will cut your taxes. So basically, people's lives, their material conditions are not getting better no matter who is president. And it reminded me that I saw a New York Times headline that asked how Democrats can convince voters they're not a party of rich elites. And then my, <laughs> fr- my first thought was, well, you can do things for the voters. Yeah. Like, did I win? Did I win New York Times? <laughs> like, that's, I don't like the idea that you can say something. Like, what can they say? It's like, it's not, please, baby, come right. back. You already cheated. You know what I mean? Like, right. So um, I think that if people did things like, I don't know, gave him health care or something like Trump would start to sound like the teacher from Peanuts. You know what I mean? Like what? So what do you think that Democrats can do to turn that around? Well, OK, for example, uh, the Biden administration where Trump gave a hundred billion dollars to agribusinesses because to cover the Chinese trade war. 
Biden, the Biden administration, through Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack of Iowa, allocated three billion, not a hundred billion, three billion for so-called climate smart agriculture in the new uh, infrastructure bill, or not infrastructure bill, but the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. Anyway, three billion for climate smart agriculture, and guess who's heading up all the pilot projects? for this Biden administration proposal. Archer Daniels Midland, Cargill, Tyson, ADM, or I said ADM. Well, anyway, the basically it's a marquee list of, of agribusinesses that have basically are on the feed trough with the Biden administration. So first of all, cut them off the feed trough, send the money, send that climate smart agriculture money directly to farmers uh, <laughs> rather than uh, to Archer Daniels Midland, right. who imposed this system on us that has destroyed rural communities. Two-thirds of Iowa's 99 counties lose population every year because of the system built by the agrochemical complex and the grain traders and the meat packers. Right. So that's where I'd start. Has there been an antitrust action filed a serious one against meat, the meatpacking industry since Teddy Roosevelt was president? No. Need to get upped in That would be another place to, to talk. Yeah. Uh, but that's all they do is talk. Right, right. Because they're all owned by the same complex. So money in politics is, is pretty much what's destroyed this sort of uh, thing. They yeah, can't. and the Democratic Party has lost its soul, and right. uh, and it's forgotten, uh, you know, where its uh, victories lie, and it lies with working people, not with a bunch of academic elites, right? That have taken over the party and think that Iowa is a backwater. The Iowa caucuses. What is the future of that um, institution going forward, in your opinion? Well, it appears that uh, for the 2024 cycle, the Republican Party is sticking with Iowa's primacy in the nomination process. The Democrats are not, but it's irrelevant because Joe Biden's running for re-election. Right, right, right. 2028, uh, the Democrats are making sounds like they're going to run the caucuses, whether they're uh, allowed by the Democratic National Committee or not. Uh, that remains to be seen. There, there's a long time between now and 2028. Right. I suspect Iowa will get booted out of the of the early process, and I think that that's going to be a loss for America because uh, Iowa had the, has the highest literacy rate in the country. Uh, it has the highest newspaper subscription rate per capita in the country, and it has still a fairly honest and transparent culture uh, that is really ideal to vetting candidates. And I'd remind you that just a few years ago, they were flying the Confederate flag over the South Carolina state capitol. And it's not probably the ideal place uh, to vet candidates in a, a plantation culture. Right. And But, but Joe and Biden won South Carolina. Of political corruption. Yeah. That... That whole thing struck me as fishy in 2020, but maybe that's just a, a Bernie, the well, Bernie machine supporter. politics, man. That's what that's where, you know, and, and that's something that a, an Irishman understands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's in our it's in our DNA to get off. Of by, by contrast, <laughs> Iowa is not a machine politics state. Uh, Tom Harkin couldn't uh, dictate how the Iowa caucuses were going to come out. Neither could Tom Vilsack or Terry Branstead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to get in the gymnasium and convince people. You can, it's, harder right. to, it's harder to do that. Um, well, first of all, people have a huge misimpression of Iowans, uh, you know, and they think we're annexed to Mississippi. And second, uh, they have no idea how the caucuses operate or what their function really is. It's not to find a winner or a nominee. It's to narrow the field from 25 down to a half dozen, which we do effectively. Yeah. And 
and uh, and also if uh, you know if diversity is the problem well julian castro could have gotten off his ass and done a better job of campaigning you know um but the fact is that latinos voted in droves for bernie sanders because he was talking about the issues that mattered to them most that is health care for all right and uh and julian castro was w- was just not there right when when I was watching the Stormlight documentary, it made me think: um, when these Iowan, when these, when these politicians come to Iowa and you sit down and you talk to them, can you just look at them and think, like, God, you don't stand a chance in hell in this, or, or can you tell, like, when uh, this person's really got something, or, or um, do you? Well, think of course, they... anybody could tell that Obama really had something. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, from his red, uh, uh, red state, blue state speech at the convention. Yeah. Uh, and then Iowa sat up and went, whoa, who is this guy? You know, and and yeah, so uh, but he's the only one I can, you know, I can feel the from the moment I met John Edwards that there was something wrong. Uh, and he really raked a aid over the coals for not getting lime in his iced tea at an appearance <laughs> in Storm Lake. And I said, there's something wrong with that guy. And, uh, and in fact, there was, Yeah, you know, when you get up close and personal and you take a fairly pragmatic point of view, you can sniff that stuff out. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. And, you know, uh, you realize that, that Mike Huckabee wasn't ready for prime time playing the bass at the Iowa State University parking lot. Uh, and, you know, Pat Robertson flew into Storm Lake in a helicopter. You're, and, then, you know, an Iowans go, huh, what's that about? You know. <laughs> so anybody that's uh, too pretentious is not going to do well there. No, no. And, uh, you know, and Joe Biden uh, placed fourth in Iowa because he just ignored rural the rural parts of the state, essentially, and thought he could get through with Des Moines and Iowa City and and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren had other ideas. Yeah, non-viable. Most of the places. Yeah, then he got like then he got fifth in New Hampshire, and I thought he was done. And so, yeah, I, it strikes me as a reward almost for South Carolina or for that senator there. Oh, who, definitely. Yeah, yeah, there's no. There was payback. Yeah, and uh, to to put South Carolina first, and to reward machine politics. Yeah, that's Art Cullen. There's still more show. But if you want a video of this interview, if you want to see the sausage get made, if you want to see every panel since March of 2020, and you're not some sort of freeloading cheapskate, that's on the show's Patreon. And thank you to all the patrons. You keep the show going. You are all good people. Patreon.com forward slash Brido, B-R-I-D-O. If you want my comedy albums, they're available to stream wherever you're listening to this. I will also probably record an episode of Power Moves with Mike Burns this week. If you want to see me do stand-up, every Wednesday I'm at the Fable in Eagle Rock. Mike and Stacey Holmes are making award-winning burgers. And every Friday I'm at the Glendale Room for a show called Flagship, the coziest place to watch comedy in Los Angeles. And I already plugged it at the top, but watch my special tonight on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Mike Bridenstine. Okay, let's get back to the show after a brief word from our sponsors. What is the best way to handle the streaming wars? Judge all the content against each other. The Buffer Battle podcast does just that. Joel and Tony are former radio co-hosts who pit two relevant pieces of content against each other every week to determine the winner of the week. From documentaries to dumb sitcoms, these two will help you decide who wins. And at the end of each month, they throw it all into a no-holds-bars cage match to see who wins the month often joined by special guests, including your boy Brido, to help decide the winners, tournament style. These guys have fun making fun of themselves and keep their passions for film and TV alive during this podcast. Tony's a film nerd, Joel is a music geek, and they aren't shy about their opinions. Listen to the Buffer Battle podcast anywhere you download your podcast. I'm Mike Bridenstine, and I have listened to None Taken.
the ad we've been doing for like two years on Brido's show. It's all based on an inside joke on our show, but it's for listeners that haven't listened oh. to our show yet. Yeah. So the joke yeah. is we always start our show with, you know, somebody as listened. a guest and yeah, and I've never listened to None Taken. And, right. and they're so, not going to get that. No, they've never got that. What an annoying <laughs> commercial. What a waste of time. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> Neither of us did. <laughs> and then the whole thing ends with these guys fuck, which was like something I said once at the end of a recording, like spastically, like impulsively. Oh, you're not supposed to say that. I still think that's anymore. funny. All I right. like it when the girl says it. I, I, uh, hi, Victoria. This is the best. This is welcome to None Taken. This is what None Taken is like. <laughs> Wait, did we just do an ad? Is that what you're telling me? I, I think that's what I'm going to send him, and who knows? I mean, he's played that for the last two years. Why wouldn't he play this? This is more like what our show is. Thank you, Dustin and Alan. Those guys fuck. Thank you, Dustin and Alan. By the way, thank you for having the watch party for the show. You guys, you guys kind of fuck. Now, here's the thrilling conclusion of my conversation with Art Cullen. Please click follow. This is the same guy I'm talking to who was the first person to endorse Biden in 2007? We did. We were the first to endorse Biden. And, um, you know, he he talks a great New Deal politics. Yeah, he does. And then, uh, okay, where is it? Yeah, with the, with the trains, with everything. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, okay, where is that? electric car battery plant for Waterloo. Right. Uh, where is the autonomous uh, uh, guiding system expansion in Cedar Rapids through Rockwell Collins? It ain't happening. Yeah. How does the people have been asking me, how do we rebuild trust in the media? So I wanted to pose that to you. Um, I suppose that you're fairly trusted. Your small town papers are fairly trusted. But in a general sense, I guess people, you know, Trump could be like, look at the media and then people would turn around and boo and that sort of thing. How do you rebuild that sort of trust? Well, through fact-based journalism, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, separating fact from opinion, which newspapers are pretty uh, meticulous about. And, uh, but, you know, you can see a, a direct correlation between the decline in civic engagement and and uh you know uh, and the decline in newspaper circulation in my lifetime and it's it's there's a there's a, a culture of civic laziness in america uh where you'll have a 10 percent turnout rate for a school board election uh and uh so i one way is for people to read newspapers and forget about Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but as we know, that's a tough road to hoe. And um, but it's it it's a combination of the flood of dark money and then uh, promoting these these uh, fake news sources uh, uh, on Twitter and Facebook and truth social or whatever donald trump's thing is called yeah that's right fox news and and it's all you know it's all dark money built up around social media and uh, that distorts people's view of reality Uh, on left and right you know with the left the sky is falling democracy is in the ditch what happened well you know what democracy stood up and uh uh you know uh so it's it's how do you how do you reintroduce civic engagement? Well, I think one what Trump uh, actually helped a lot uh, by people waking up and saying, "I want to reclaim my democracy." And a lot of his a lot of his fans who previously had never voted an election now are. That's why we're having record turnouts. And if you believe in democracy, then you got to think that's a good thing, right? Yeah, maybe we can, you know. And you'd like to think that we're finding center again. For example, uh, Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa, a Republican, voted for the defense of marriage or the uh, not the defense of the uh, uh, gay marriage and interracial marriage bill. One of 12 senators Hmm. Um, that I don't know that she would have done that five years ago. Uh, But she did now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, everybody's talking about Ron DeSantis is coming in to challenge Trump. When I was back in Iowa in November for Thanksgiving, I saw a lot of Trump signs in Naria DeSantis. Uh, do you think well, that, uh, <laughs> he hasn't uh, gotten there? Trump yet. is doing well in Iowa. He'll do fine in Iowa. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and I think if they indict him, he'll do even better. <laughs> he'll run uh, from jail like Eugene Debs? <laughs> yeah, or better. Yeah, he'll win. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, no, I, I, you know, Ron DeSantis could beat Trump, uh, in Iowa. He could better him in Iowa. Uh, but everybody thought Scott Walker of Wisconsin, former governor of Wisconsin was going to walk away with it. And others, you know, there've been others before, uh, who just fall apart. Giuliani. Uh, yeah. Uh, at Chris Christie. Chris Christie. Uh, so, uh, governors have baggage, and uh, uh, sometimes it doesn't work well. And then the other part of it is, is that DeSantis is not uh, uh, he's he's too much of a pretty boy. <laughs> I don't know how to say it other than that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I just know how Iowans are going to react to him. I, you know, it'd be like seeing Gavin Newsom come into Iowa. Uh, I can't you know. explain this to people. Maybe it's the Iowan right. in me. When I see Gavin Newsom, I hate him. And people <laughs> and people will say to me, too handsome. And I take that as an insult. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's very hard to articulate, but they can smell a slicker when they see one. Yeah, and- yeah. I, but with Trump, you know, I don't know what the deal was. It, I'm, you know, we're all still trying to figure it out. I but think, he sure yeah. hoodwinked us. Sure, yeah. And he's still popular here. And and it's because I think it's that raging against the swamp. Uh, and they think that the swamp is out to indict him and that they're out to uh, sully him in every way. Which of course they are, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so it, it's a it's a very complicated picture. But I just I just don't feel any groundswell at this point in Iowa for uh, DeSantis. And if anything, I would think that uh, you know maybe uh, you know Mike Pence still actually would have some cachet in Iowa. I mean, it's usually the most Christian person right. who wins there from oh what was that guy's name Huckabee the, but even before Huckabee or, and then um oh he was on ABC News until he said something racist um Santorum oh Rick Santorum sure yeah so uh and also, it depends on how many candidates there are. Right. Uh, and Trump could emerge with thirty percent support as the as the leading candidate. Yeah. And uh, uh, but I just don't see DeSantis having a lot of mojo at this point. Do you think Trump must symbolize some? Because like I can't figure this out for the life of me. Like it's not him personally, maybe, but maybe what he symbolizes as like the mascot for something for these people, or. Uh, well, yeah, they all want to tell the they all want to flip the bird at the world and say, you know, I'm sitting here scup, scooping hog shit and uh, for fourteen dollars an hour, and yeah. you're flying over me, yeah, and uh, you have no idea what my life is like, right? And, and then I see you're shipping in Mexicans all around me. Uh, to work in these confinement built these hog confinement buildings and meatpacking complexes, and w- where's my place? I've been told since b- that I have a birthright here because I'm white, uh, and that we have dominion over this place because God gave it to us. And you got to get inside that head and think that way for a while, right? And, and to to figure out how do you engage that person in a productive and constructive conversation back to center. Yeah. What advice would you give young people who 
want to get into journalism who were maybe smoking a dupe in their dorm room and finding the <laughs> finding the easiest major. <laughs> well, it's still the most fun you can have with your clothes on. And, uh, other than being a stand-up comic, of course, which yeah. uh, which can be the most fun, and I'm sure it could be even more dreadful than journalism at certain points. You have no idea. Uh, yeah, uh, when you're standing behind the cage uh, like the Blues Brothers and you're throwing beer bottles at you. Exactly. Uh, but you can make a difference. Uh, that I believe that the Washington Post and the New York Times were primarily responsible for helping to save democracy. The reporting of David Farenholt of the Washington Post about the goings-on at Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know, were crucial to us understanding what sort of a creep was occupying the White House. And uh, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein brought down a corrupt administration. Mm -hmm. Eddie Adams, a photographer for the Associated Press, did more to end the Vietnam War with a single photo of a South Vietnamese police captain shooting a Viet Cong in the head at point blank range. I think that had more impact on ending an unjust war than anything else uh, during that long, tortuous period. So that's why <laughs> journalism matters. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say the pay is bad and the hours are terrible and they keep laying people off. Uh, but if you can find a way, it's a it's it's uh, the only way you can write for a living uh, that we know of. Have you met Woodward and Bernstein ever? No, I would especially love to meet Carl Bernstein, who's a hero. Uh, Let's make that happen. Um, what's the best movie about newspapers? Is it all the president's men? Well, that's uh, you know on my list is number two, but number one is an old movie starring Humphrey Bogart titled uh, Dateline USA, and uh, it's about a, a newspaper that's on the brink of closing that takes on the mob. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it is a great movie, and Humphrey Bogart, of course, is the managing editor, and tougher than nails. Oh, you had a fly walk right across the... Yeah, yeah. I've had this fly bugging me all day. <laughs> zero degrees outside, and I got a fly or flying around. <laughs> that's surprising. That's a, that's a strong fly, I guess. Um, my instincts tell me you are a baseball fan. Uh, yes. Who's your favorite player all-time and current? Well, uh, all-time uh, favorite player is... Probably Babe Ruth, uh, uh, you know, because he hit 60 homers drunk, you know, come on. And the best player I ever saw in my lifetime was, uh, was Rod Carew. Rod Carew. Uh, I'm a Minnesota Twins fan. And, uh, and then my third is Willie Mays. Willie Mays. Yeah. Yeah. No Harmon Killebrew? Who would have, who would have uh, eclipsed Hank Aaron, I think, had he not had to serve in the Korean War? Yeah, a lot of people... Is that a Milwaukee Braves hat you have on? It is, yeah. Thank you. No yeah. one ever knows. I, I have a lot of throwback uh, baseball caps that I, I enjoy wearing. The... And of course, uh, Dennis Mankey uh, of, the, of Bancroft, Iowa, was the first bonus baby signing with the M Milwaukee Braves. Yeah. I'm sure your listeners want to know that <laughs> they won't hate it i talked i will i drop a lot of baseball references in there uh i do uh, yeah babe ruth makes no sense to me in footage i'm sure that if you maybe if somebody saw him swing or something they would tell me that he had incredible bat speed he just doesn't look like an athlete to me and no he's got a pot belly and he was you know one of the greatest pitchers uh you know of his day uh, but if you, if you watch his feet when he swings, there's, he, it's like he, he was just, it's like he has coaster wheels under his shoes that he could just turn, you know, and, uh, and there's a lot of power in that gut. <laughs> it's all in the hips. It's in that torque. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you on Clemens and Bonds in the hall of fame? Well, uh, I find them to be both offensive, uh, uh, but you know, I guess they ought to be there 
with an explanation of who they are. Oh, with an with a double asterisk. Yeah, well, you know, because they are part of baseball history. Just there's no question, and to ignore them in the Baseball Hall of Fame is probably wrong. Same thing with Pete Rose. I'd say uh, maybe they ought to be in there with an explanation saying, you know, Pete Rose gambled on the games. You know, um, my dad would. We went to Cooperstown, and my dad would always say, like, he's in Cooper. He's in the Hall of Fame. His bat's there. His jersey's there. Like, he's just not on that one wall. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're they're there. But, yeah. Um, and you know, I love Sammy Sosa. Uh, you know, I uh, never really loved Mark McGuire, but uh, but I love Sammy Sosa, and so you know, I don't know. I'm conflicted. Yeah. I say free Sammy Sosa. He gave me a lot of happiness. He looks like yeah. <laughs> he looks like a vampire now. It's uh, pretty horrifying, but oh, really? I haven't seen him. In, yeah, it was a joyous time when they were chasing. The, it oh, brought he... me back to baseball. Oh, if you could Google Sammy Sosa twenty twenty two at some point today, you're in for a treat. He has decided to change his appearance entirely. And he's oh. and he's doing the Michael Jackson thing where he got rid of all the pigment of his skin. Weird. <laughs> and he lives. No, in, I don't want to look that up. <laughs> and he lives in Dubai. It's he's. Oh, that's he, even weird. All right, no Sammy Sosa in the Hall of Fame then. He's thriving. <laughs> where do you want people to to find you if they if they want to like um, support the paper or find any of your your writing? Well, my, uh, I have my column on Substack, and it's also at stormlake.com, and uh, we have editorials and columns, and, and uh, they, they're not behind a paywall. Our news stories are. Uh, so I'd encourage you to go to Substack or, or stormlake.com. That sounds great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It was a pleasure to meet you. And uh, Likewise. Thank you, Mike. And keep making Iowa and expats proud. And I love the uh, the Braves uh, <laughs> hat that passes for Muscatine. I until they the listeners send me a new Muscatine hat. This is what I'm working with. All right, all right. Well, thank, thank you so much. You, Thanks. Have a good day. See ya. Yeah, it's Art Cohen. Thank you for listening. Buy my album. Uh, watch my YouTube special tonight. Um, I appreciate it. R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan.